0: and welcome to the Makers of Minnesota. I'm Stephanie Hansen and I just want to thank you for being here for season three. We've had a great season so far talking to lots of different makers that are having to pivot their business and today I'm excited to invite the folks from Simples Soups. I'm with Ryan Rosenthal and Michael Von Fange. and he is here to, both of them are here to tell us about what it's like to go from a brick and mortar business where you have this business plan and this idea to all of a sudden going into a subscription business and it is a soup business. So who wants to give me the backstory of how you guys ended up where you're at today?
1: That's a big backstory, Ryan. You want to take a crack at it? (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Well, thanks for having us on
2: Stephanie. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, So yeah, we started simples in 2014 2013 started writing the plan. And uh, at the time, we're just barely out of school. Both of us had only been working out of graduation from school for four years at that time. Um, our concept was 7-Eleven and Whole Foods had a baby. So-
0: Which sounds great. yeah
2: (laughs) so uh, essentially out of our our own desire as we got out into the world and started spending money like adults um we're hoping to bring the values of whole foods local and organics and sustainability and healthier foods to a convenience format and so we came up with this concept of let's take kind of a 7-Eleven convenience store, small footprint concept and fill it with those values. And we launched the first shop in 2014 in the downtown Skyway in Minneapolis. Uh, Did very well. Um, Sales grew nicely for a while. We opened a second location in 2016, again in downtown Minneapolis. And then finally in 2019, in january we opened the university of minnesota campus location so we grew it um you know steady uh, into a three location uh, brick and mortar concept with a central kitchen we made all of our food fresh at a shared kitchen shipped it out to the locations every day we also had a coffee bar in each location where people could get all kinds of different espresso drinks so Um, pretty awesome concept. We were really proud of it. We had a phenomenal team come March this year, COVID happened. We've all been dealing with whatever that means in our lives, different struggles for everyone. For us, it meant that we had to close our doors on March 14th, I believe it was. And, uh, we had 28 people on our team and everybody everybody lost their work including me and Mike because we had no way to keep everyone on staff without any business and since then our shops have been closed we've uh, they all were in commuter centric locations meaning you know, all of our traffic every day is coming from people coming in for their professional occupations or school um, those have yet to rebound those consumer groups And so we have had to switch into uh, delivering soup to people's doors, (laughs) which is kind of weird. But essentially...
0: It's a little weird, but but what's so interesting today is, so you had to close down in March. I record a few podcasts ahead. So I want the listener to know that as we talked today, yesterday, the governor has asked restaurants to shut down again. For another month minimum, but I think we all know we're probably talking eight to 12 weeks more realistically. So, what did that feel like when that announcement was made? Because you've already done that cut.
2: Yeah, I mean, that was, I think, a big part of what we were looking at even to start is that, look, the prospects are not good here of where this virus is going. If you're listening to the people who understand these. Pandemics—they know pretty well what the timeline could look like. Uh, It's very likely that the fall is not going to be pretty. Even people were talking about this in the spring and the additional shutdown. And we just made the decision that at this point in time, for us, the best thing we did in our shops by far was scratch-made soup. That's what—if you were to ask people what's the one thing you'd say about simples, that was it. Even though we did a wide variety of other things, that was the thing for people for simples
1: and yeah and I just
2: decided it fit fit really well for that context yeah
1: yeah and in the context of fresh food it was just too risky I mean we're making salads and sandwiches with one two three day shelf life and to store that inventory have to shut down for three four weeks you're start you know that's a lot of inventory loss and we just knew at the time that's it's going to happen again it was a matter of time downtown was empty anyways Um, It just wasn't worth the risk of trying to continue with a fresh food model out of our commissary kitchen.
0: I just want to back up a second because I think it's pretty interesting that you even started this business because as two young men, it was like you deciding, okay, we don't have enough good convenience stores that carry good food. We don't have, we don't really want this grocery model that carries good food If I'm, if I know anything about food, and I think I know a little bit, like, this is a really weirdly crowded field that you decided you were going to put your stamp on. Did people like invest in you? Did you bootstrap it? Or did people tell you you were crazy to try to take this on for a brick and mortar?
1: Oh, yeah, it was all of the above. So (laughs) Uh, we bootstrapped. We went to a lot of banks who said, no, you're crazy. (laughs) Um, But ultimately, we did. We got off the ground bootstrapping and with a bank loan and some SBA-backed bank loans. So, um, yeah, and then later when we opened the other locations, we did get individual investors. We were part of um, the Min Cup at the University of Minnesota, and we actually won the food division that year. And that actually put us in touch with some great people over there and judges and different people in that food scene um, who were super helpful mentors. and, And so we got good connections there. And then some of them ended up actually investing in our second and third location. So
0: when you decided to close in March, well, not decided, the mandate, first mandate came down, did you, were you able to preserve some capital or like when you walked away from your brick and mortars? where were you left financially? Did you have leases and landlords? And
1: No, we did not have capital. We were left with nothing for the most part. I mean, we had bank loan obligations, lease obligations. So we, we were in a really, really tight spot. Um, a few of our investors came through and, and we were able to ultimately make final payroll. and And then ultimately we were able to start the soup concept, relatively quick. So we did start generating revenue. We did some catering in between there too, for like some hospitals for people who wanted to donate. Um, so we were able to start generating revenue fairly quickly to start covering those obligations again. But nonetheless, it was still a really tight spot. And then we did get become part of the PPP program. We got a, a loan. Um, so that, that makes that's me happy. Well. I
0: feel like the PPP loans were designed for people like you and were you able? So one of the caveats with the PPP loans, where you were you supposed to use them towards getting your people back to work? I'm imagining <clears throat> you have some people back to work in the commissary kitchen, but you must have a smaller skeleton staff if you're doing soup delivery.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, we were not able to rehire everyone. But we are, you know, we are growing again, and um, hiring delivery drivers. So it's just kind of switch form a little bit. And um, in, in, as our needs change and grow. But uh, yeah, we definitely it's been super helpful. I mean, we give them a lot of credit, they turned it around quickly, our local bank really helped us um, get through the process. So um, but we did you know, I know there was a lot of confusion originally around it, of how to apply it, how to use it. We stayed super, you know, really tight with it to make sure it lasted as long as it could, only rehired as needed um, to grow it in a, in a responsible manner that allowed us to get to this point. So
0: who's your bank?
1: Highland Bank out of St. Paul.
0: All right, Highland Bank. I'd just like to say <laughs> a shout out to them for investing in your concept originally B, shout out to them for helping you navigate the PPP because that was a really hard process yes. for lots of people. I actually got alone myself because I'm in the event marketing business and a lot of our events were canceled. All of our events were canceled. And then I yeah. gave it back because I panicked because I thought, okay, I'm just like a one woman shop here. And if, you know, there's a big audit or something happens, like, I can't, I'm not hiring employees, right? I would be using it to bootstrap myself to get to where we can start to do live events. My accountant was nervous. So I gave the money back yeah. and it wasn't a lot, but it was something. And now I'm like, darn it, because it seems like for people under, you know, 20 grand or so, they're going to just forgive. And yeah, they probably need to, but. <laughs>
1: yeah, we heard a lot of horror stories kind of like that, where it's just like confusion, panic, like some people just spent it all right away on like, hiring web employees to work on our webs you know a lot of different things and because of the on un- there wasn't a lot of clarity and so that was definitely an unfortunate piece of the launch of it um yeah right we got you know lucky in a sense we just decided to hold on to it felt like we'll take that risk and hope it works out and it has worked out pretty well
0: so good for you
2: so i would just add on to that it's what's what's exciting for us is we we're at a um, over a third of our staff hired back from ground zero, you know, from, from all of the stores still being closed, uh, hiring a third of those <clears> people back through a different model has been very rewarding for us because it's, it's, it's really, it feels that's a lot of weight, you know, knowing that we are responsible for that team and, and, you know, having everybody lose their work at, in the spring, that's a lot of weight. Um, for all of us. And so it feels good to get people back to work.
0: So let's talk about simple soup subscriptions, because if you've hired a 30 your folks back, you're, you have eight to 10 folks that are working for you again. You, how much soup can two guys sell? Like, I love this, that that's <laughs> been so successful for you. I think I told you I'm a huge soup nerd. I make soup all the time. I have an entire freezer full of mason jars full of soup. I freeze it in like, Love it. the pint container. So when I got your soups, I was like, hooray, these are my people. And <laughs> your soups were very delicious. I loved the cookies that came with Good it. Dinner. I liked the cornbread. I liked the packaging. I liked knowing that you were using um, fresh whole vegetables from local producers. Like the whole thing worked for me. It, I like feel like I'm probably your target customer. So... <laughs> you know, how a soup subscription costs how much and how many of these soup converts do we need to get for you to keep this going?
1: (laughs) Yeah, as many as we can. Absolutely. Um, So yeah, it's been an evolving process. So soup subscriptions is a big piece of it. Um, When we first launched it, we launched in uh, frozen courts. Uh, That's still what we're doing. Um, But A big piece of that was, um, you know, and since Simple's inception, we've always been trying to focus on all the shareholders aside from just profit. And a big piece of that is our own team, you know, is the environment, uh, is our suppliers. So everyone involved in the whole process. So when we launched the soup piece, it was a perfect opportunity going through a pandemic. So we immediately off the bat said, for every quart we sell, we're going to donate a bowl of soup to healthcare workers. Um, So that, and that's still a big piece of the mission right now, which is awesome. People have really loved that. Um, And it ties into the holistic approach that we take from all, from our suppliers all the way through to our final product. So just wanted to get that piece in there, but um, yeah. And so then the subscription idea was, you know, um, well, Ryan was the brainchild of the subscription. So maybe I'll pass that baton to him.
2: I won't even take credit (laughs) for that. It was a buddy of mine. He's a, (laughs) he was was working, a fellow food entrepreneur had some wise advice. He he was, uh, had some wise advice and was suggesting it. And so anyway, we decided it really, it could be an interesting concept, you know, just having regular deliveries of soup and it sounds kind of weird, but on the other hand, why not? I mean, soup, uh. Soup is an extremely wholesome, comforting food. It can be really healthy. It can be really delicious. So why not get it regularly?
0: (laughs) And it can be frozen and it can be lunch, dinner. I mean, a lot of these families now are stuck at home with the kids. And that was for me when on our radio show where we talked to the home cooks, we were getting inundated with people that were like, you know, I went from making a dinner once a day to having to make three meals a day for all these hungry people that are in my kitchen going, what's for dinner, what's for lunch, what's for breakfast. And I'm also working. So it meets a lot of that criteria. How much is a soup subscription and do you guys do gift items as we get into holiday here? Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. We have
2: different (laughs) tiers of subscription we've got. So depending on how much you order, you can save money. So uh, if you're just buying individual quarts, our, our soup quarts cost $15. And then uh, as you buy more soup in the subscription, you can get it down to $12 per quart. So, and then um, there's a lot of flexibility in how often you can get a delivery and pausing anytime you need to pause it, those types of things to try to make it as convenient for people as possible.
0: Can you see adding other things like you have the delicious cornbread, you have the best cookies. Is, is the goal to like stick with soup or could you build out the subscription model to be more things too?
2: I think our, our goal and our excitement is centered on creating a really a soup brand that speaks to the future. So we're going to stick to soup, do it really well, and then surround it with complimentary items. That's our goal. But soup, is, uh, soup has so much opportunity. So, but and we also do gifts. So your other question, yes, we do gift thing, and we're we're starting to to work on that as far as people buying gifts for their loved ones or for friends. Um, we're also doing team lunches. So, like, if a company is doing a virtual meeting and they want to send lunches to all their folks that are on the team, um, or gifts, we're doing things like that too.
1: Yeah, and Um, and the subscription, you currently can add cookies, cornbread, rolls, so that that currently exists, and it's a two-quart, three-quart, or four-quart tier, and then it can be weekly, every week, two weeks, three weeks, or four weeks, so very flexible like Granson.
0: I can see, too, when people ever go back to work, like a soup share where, you know, (laughs) you go to an office building, and you bring soups, and people can buy them right there, or You know, Amazon is experimenting with these um, on site, like refrigerator food packaging type models where you can um, reach your hand in, like to the automat, as it were, and pull out something there. I could see you having like a soup cooler.
2: Yeah, Yeah,
1: absolutely.
0: It keeps going on and on and on. Um, So, how do you? This is, in some respects, it's so simple. It's (laughs) simple. How do you market this so that you can grow it fast enough that you can get through this period of time without the brick and mortars? And will you ever go back to brick and mortar?
2: Well, I'd say that strategy is in process and evolving, (laughs) like we all are as small. Small business people daily, um, but we're doing a lot of work with. I guess what one thing we one idea we've been tossing around is this concept of how do you replace sampling in the COVID world? You know, a, a lot of us are feeling familiar with the idea of one of the best ways to get people to buy is to try, and especially with food sampling. And so we've been working on a lot of different ideas centered around that concept of how do you get the soup into the people's hands for the first time. So got lots of different spaghetti being thrown at the wall, but centered around that idea.
0: Yeah. Because without events, you know, you can't get people at farmer's markets or at, at high traffic events and you can't really sample in the stores. You can in some, but it's hard and they've got a lot of restrictions and it's challenging. And people aren't really hanging around in the stores, right? And talking to purveyors. They're running in and panic shopping.
1: Right, right. Um, yeah, it's a whole different landscape for sure in that retail environment. And, you know, Costco, we've all seen that. And it's just, it's a whole different ballgame. Um, and so one of the, one of those things we're throwing against the wall and has been doing well for us is uh, fundraising. So we're actually providing opportunities for community groups to fundraise for their programs uh, through selling our soup. And the, you know, it's a whole different, you know, in the COVID world, of course, we've tailored it to that, you know, in a traditional format. It's, you go sell it door to door. Then at the end of a time period, you get it all delivered to one person's house and then they redistribute it. They collect the money. So we have flipped it on its head. You know, it's the easiest fundraiser you can do. You send out emails to f- friends and family, use a promo code, and then we t- deal with the money collection and we deliver straight to their door. So, these community groups have been really excited about the opportunity to, because they're obviously all hurting as well financially. And so they're looking for these opportunities. They don't want to go door to door. Um, So that's been a pain point and this has been a really good opportunity for them to uh, do it in a different way. And it's great food. Everyone wins. It's not just slapping some cookie dough in your freezer uh, that uh, may, you may or may not eat. So.
0: It's really smart too, because the person that is the fundraiser organizer or who is r- looking for Girl Scout funds is um mm-hmm. usually a mom, and that 's also probably a target consumer for you so you 're hitting it on both cylinders, I would assume,
1: yeah absolutely, yeah, and then the goal is hopefully they'll it 's the same order process as if they went on our website normally, so we 're hoping that they get used to it like the soup and you know, continue to come back because even when they buy outside the fundraiser, each purchase is still going to a great community cause. So
0: one thing that I don't know if you guys have thought about this and ideas are never in short supply, right. But I'll throw it out there for you <laughs> since we're talking spaghetti. Um, when I, I was a, I'm a cancer survivor. And when people found out I had cancer, people sent stuff, you know, there was a lot of things coming into the house and one of the things I really remember was a delivery of chicken soup that came with some rolls, came with a little story about, you know, how healing chicken soup is. And it was packaged really nice. It was frozen. So I didn't have to cook it right away. I just threw it nice. in the freezer and it felt some like some like, Oh, okay. I know I have a meal here if I get desperate. Cause I had a family and a young child and I still think when people ask me about like, when, you know, what can I do? So-and-so is diagnosed with something. What can I do? I always think like soup is so healing, comforting. Everybody likes it. It's easy. You don't have to cook it right away if you don't want to. I just feel like there's something about that that is really marketable. So maybe that's another opportunity for you guys is, As a way to provide comfort, um, there's comfort boxes. There's a woman that I interviewed previously called Beyond Words, and she writes handwritten notes for people that are having situations of grief or job loss or whatever it is. I just, Mm -hmm. I feel like soup has so many like angles.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I think you're hitting it spot on. And that's what we've seen. Like our gift package, a lot of people have sent like get well, better soon cards and things within it. So, I think, yeah, you're spot on, and that's what exactly what we're seeing it's It's just a great comfort, you know, it's just a great comfort. so
0: where do you get your recipes? Do either of you actually cook soup? <laughs> uh, <laughs>
1: well it's it's been an evolution, it's been a process, so since the very beginning we um we partnered with some local cafes that did it for us originally, and then slowly we had our own kitchen, took it in house. Um, kind of recreated some of the more popular recipes. Um, and then, yeah, over time, it's been really a team process. I mean, we have used some consult- local consulting chefs and we continue to use one in particular who's excellent, does a great job. Um, and so that's our primary right now is, is the consulting chef. But over time, you know, we've gotten feedback from customers, saying one customer back before COVID, Uh, I was delivering a catering order to her and she had some lunch that she brought in homemade for her soup and gave me some to try. And it was amazing. And uh, she gave us permission, recreated it. And that's one of the most popular soups to this day. So what is it? It's been a, it's the roasted cauliflower turmeric. So I just, yeah. So that's kind of how it's gone, you know, just little tidbits here or we go out to a restaurant try something we like or a team member comes up with an idea so it's been an evolution it's been exciting
2: i would just throw in that you know mike's an engineer by trade quote unquote but uh he's better than he gives himself credit for at making soup me on (laughs) the other hand
1: not so much
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's funny uh i definitely
1: approach it scientifically but
0: yeah exactly um, you guys are good friends. Are you able at this point to make a living, the both of you, off of selling soup?
2: Not what not what we should make, let's put it that way.
0: Yeah, because I uh, imagine that You can't
2: you can't sugarcoat it. Nobody's nobody's, you know, rolling around in in uh high style. we you know, we have enough to get by, but we got a lot of work to do and uh to get to where you know, we are making as much as we'd like to. And do you um, and think we, uh, you'll
0: go back into brick and mortar when the coronavirus passes?
2: If it, if it's to happen, we do have one of our leases still. Um, it would look substantially different and it would be soup focused. Um, you know, yeah, there's a possibility it, would pr- it could, could be like a, related to an online pickup, um of frozen mm-hmm. soup or you know if we did anything it could be it would be a very short stint soup cafe you know for lunch i think yeah
1: what we know for for certain is the e-commerce and delivery is here to stay for sure and so what part those brick and mortar may or may not play is, is still in in the air but
0: all right well i really have enjoyed talking to you guys we start, tried to record yesterday and I had a terrible connection. So I appreciate you making time for me two days in a row. Um, and now my dog's barking. So, you know, it's time when the dog barks be done. So I appreciate it. People can order simpls.com. They can order Absolutely. subscriptions. If you have a loved one in your life that's struggling and needs a little comfort, soup is where it's at, man. I love soup. I'm really excited. To and we'll be, to
1: sh- yeah, we'll be shipping outside the Twin Cities here in the, I don't know, I'll check back in two to three weeks. So okay. in process. So all right. Yeah. And it'll
0: be about two to three weeks before this drops. So when you hear this, it's interested in sending outside the Twin Cities, go to their website. I'm sure they will be able to help you. So thank you. The last
2: you. plug I have yeah. is for soil health. That's Tell a big me about thing that, that we working Ryan. on. So
0: why is just, that important <laughs> to you?
2: Well, soups dynamic. We've been talking about that. Um that's one of the things that gets us really excited related to community supporting local supporting growers that are giving back to their community in the form of treating the land well, treating the water well treating their workers well and taking care of soil so that's going to be a big part of our story
0: i appreciated your very responsible packaging
2: we'll keep working on that too
0: i noticed it right away so it was important to me that the packaging that you used was recyclable so all right, guys. Soil health soup well, thanks so much, it. Stephanie. Yeah, thank we'll you. Talk soon. Okay. <laughs> bye.